this, if you will, take your Bibles or whatever you look at to, to read um, and go to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today, especially the first four verses. I've started this series called Living the Gospel of Christ in Me. And in this series, I've, I've really wanted to tackle some things about, about what our lives are about. When we talk about being a, a Jesus follower, when we talk about being a, a Christian, we talk about being somebody who seeks after, the, after God, after our creator, that first week I really wanted to spend some time and really just talk about purpose of life. And one of the things that I said in that first message is, is the recognition that if we don't go back to the creator, how can we understand purpose of life? For it is the creator who gave life. And we saw how he breathed into the uh, nostrils of, of Adam and gave him life and life through all of humanity, right? And we saw this kind of life through the, in the Old Testament, but then we kind of went in the New Testament and we started seeing some things change where Jesus said, I am the resurrection I am the life. He is life. And he changed everything about the way that we go about life, about the way that we understand life. The second week, we kind of looked at Ephesians chapter 1. And one of the things that it said is in there in Ephesians chapter 1 that always just astounds me is that he blessed us with every spiritual blessing. The picture there is that God in all of his love and his work towards us and his comprehensive plan for, for us that he blessed us, he gave us the capacity, the ability to be in relationship with him, to know him, to commune with him, to pray to him, to hear from him, to allow him to work in our lives and begin to, to bring back that which he created, which he intended for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We saw that in the comprehensive plan from, from before time and after time and during time. We saw that in that we've been redeemed. We've been, been given new life. We've been made new. We saw that in the fact that even now we are sealed and guaranteed by the Holy Spirit of promise, right? So, so those things we know as we understand those things, it begins to impact how we live, how we live the gospel, how we conduct ourselves, Christ in me. Last week, we really took a time out and really looked in Colossians there, chapter one. And we really saw this argumentation as Paul was dealing with the church at Colossae who, who had been influenced by so many false teachers from different ways, all the way from Judaism and the, the legalism of the law there, all the way to the beginnings of Gnosticism and the idea that matter was evil and, and this idea of either one trying to punish my body and bring it to discipline. We're just going, hey, all that matters is a soul, so I live as I please. And, and even today, we find ourselves influxed with the, with the philosophies of our day. The emphasis that it really is all about me, I dictate, I decide, divine is within me, those kinds, of, those kinds of statements you hear over and over and over in our culture. We see them expressed in the idea of being true to ourselves or, or the idea of personal truth and what is true to me and, and not to you. It doesn't matter. This is truth to me, even though it may not make sense at times. And so we find ourselves in a world where we're looking at, and Paul was no different in the first century dealing with, with false ideas that were influenced Christianity and, the, and biblical belief. So today, as we walk into chapter three, Paul was continuing that argument. He, he drew out that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the exact representation and that in him, all the fullness of deity dwelt. Is Jesus able 
to do what he has said he would do? Is, a, is Jesus able to deliver us? Is, is Jesus able to make us new? Is Jesus able to bring about in our lives the purpose in which God has intended for our lives, to bring about that where we conduct ourselves in such a way that we glorify God in all that we say and do. Is Jesus able to do that? Well, Paul definitely delivered that in chapter one. He clearly does that. And then he walks into chapter two. And in chapter two, he begins to talk about recognizing that in all wisdom is in Christ and that he is that answer. And therefore, when you look at some of the, the laws of Judaism that was being imposed on that church, and Paul was saying, why are, you, why are you going back to those things? And when he was talking about some of the elementary philosophies of their day, influencing their belief, he was drawing out, if Christ is superior, if Christ is sufficient, if Christ is who he is, that in him is the fullness of deity, that he is the exact representation of God, why are you still full? around with all of these philosophies. Think about that for a minute. That, that's, that picture that Paul brings out in that chapter and that argumentation in this letter that Paul delivers to, to that church is just as applicable to us today. That if Jesus is these things, if he is the exact representation of God, if he is the image of the invisible God, if he is the fullness of the deity, that in him dwells all the fullness of the deity. If those things are true, why are we messing with the elementary principles of this world? Why? Why? Why do we allow the things of this world to begin to dictate what we believe about God? believe about the scriptures, or believe about how we conduct our lives when he, in him, is the fullness of God. That he is God, fully God, fully man. And so those kind of arguments that Paul begins to bring out, in fact, if you were to look in chapter two, uh, verse 20, he says, if Christ, if with Christ you died to the elementary uh, spirits of the world. This idea of dying, he's, we're going to look at it again here in a minute, this idea of identifying with Jesus and what he did and what he accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you're identifying with Jesus, you're identifying with his death, so why are you continuing that way? Okay? So that's, that's where Paul's argument is when he walks into chapter 3 in our text today. So I just want to make sure that you have the context in which Paul begins to state these things. I will be fair with you guys today. I will tell you probably in the, one of my top five favorite passages. Well, I don't know. There's so many, but I'm pretty sure this would land in my top five is Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Because in that passage, there's some things that said that in my moments of weakness, in my times of doubt, in those times when, when I begin to struggle with my own walk with God, I go back to this passage and it reminds me of the truth of who I am in Christ. It reminds me my purpose in life. It reminds me my intents and who I am in Christ. So it's a very powerful passage when you look at it, at least for me, and I hope that you will be encouraged by it as well today. In verse one of chapter three, Paul writes, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There's a lot written right there. That idea of if then, he's referring back, he's continuing this argumentation, but really a better translation of that if then would be 
sense. It's more of, a, it's more of an argumentation that if, if you've already been raised with Christ, well, since you are raised with Christ, have you believed in Jesus? Today, do you sit there or out there at your homes? Are, have you made that, that decision in your life whereby you trust in Christ? It's not anything you've done, not anything you've accomplished. There's not anything you can do to pay off God somehow to throw you over the wall into heaven. It's simply you're trusting in Christ. Have you made that decision? If you did, then Paul's saying you, you have been raised since you have been raised with Christ. It's a picture of that now there's this new life that's taking place. There's this identity that we have in Christ Jesus that now changes the course in which I once went. I, I went back through some old photos this week and I'll, and I'll share in a little bit one here in a minute. I went back through some old photos and actually I went too far because I started seeing what my life was like before Christ. And I didn't like it. It reminded me of the depths of the ugliness of my heart. And it reminded me that my heart is still just as ugly and still just as de deceitful and except by the grace of God and the power of his spirit working in my life, I would be just like that. I would still be there, right? Because I've been raised with Christ, there's a newness in life. There's a new capacity in which God has set me free whereby I walk in his spirit and by where I live in Christ and he is changing me in that raised relationship and that newness of life that I have with Christ, there is now this, this discovery in which God has intended for me even before time began. In that relationship I would have with him, my God is a relational God and he deeply desires to know me and me to know him. It's this new life and it's still new, though I've been a believer for many years, it's still new to me, that God continuously on a weekly, daily basis teaches me things about myself and about him. It's, if, you, if you've raised, been raised with Christ, he says, seek the things that are above. That word seek there means to strive earnestly. It's, the idea, it's a part, present imperative in the Greek, so it has this continuing action of keep on seeking. It's kind of this idea that where our interest are centered around Christ. That's what he says, seek the things that are above where Christ is, where Christ is. Because my center of my life has now become as I identified with Jesus, that I identify with him, he becomes the center of my life. My attitudes, my ambitions, my, my outlook on life, they're impacted by that relationship with him. And so the things of this world and the allegiance that I had have now become more about my allegiance with Christ than the allegiance that I so personally would, would, would strive after. Because it's not about Christ. It's about how he loves people. It's about how he didn't just die for me, but he died for the whole world. It's about an invitation that goes beyond any kind of, of standard social political, economically, it goes past all those. How many times I've said from standing right here, is there anybody you will ever meet that the gospel wasn't intended for? And the only answer is no. Because God, in the demonstration of his love and how he loves others, is just beyond me. 
And as he continues to change, now my allegiance becomes his allegiance because I'm lining it up with who he is and what he believes and what he is because he's my God. It's interesting because he says, he says, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I, I, I've many times I've read past that phrase. Don't read past it. Slow yourself down. Uh, in the context in which Paul is writing, he's really talking to those Colossi believers who were saying that they were diminishing who Christ was, was because they were saying matter's evil. So, so Jesus couldn't take on flesh. There's just no way. And so they had struggled with the, the fact that he was fully God and fully man. And so they diminished who Christ was and they described him as one of these eons that came from, from God and just by the time it gets to us, there's maybe a little bit of divinity in him but not much more than what we have. It's just, it, was just a, it was just a diminishing of Jesus. And dear people of God, where we seek determines how we really view the things of God. If we're seeking the things of the world, if, we're, if, my, if my goal of my life becomes the attainment of things, where it becomes the position I hold in my work, or where the things that I accomplish, if that becomes my allegiance, if that becomes my purpose, I have lost the purpose in which I've been created. And I've diminished who Jesus is because he is seated at the right hand of God. So in my mind, I begin to seek those things where he is. What is he about? Jesus demonstrated this, this to us when he walked on earth, did he not? He said, what I see my father do, I do. What I hear my father say, I say. He was our example in that way. That we too now would seek those things where he is and we too would reflect those in this world in our allegiance with him. The things of earth will what? Go strangely dim, right? In the light of his glory and his grace. You see, it's, it's moving our way of, of looking at things and what we strive after. What, what, do you, what do you strive after? You're striving at something. His divine authority has been given to him because he conquered, he defeated evil and death. It may not seem that way at times, but he's accomplished that. And now he has left his people. He has left us as his children, as ambassadors in this world, calling people to Christ, calling people to the love of God. And that's what we need to be doing. As we grow in him and as we learn in him, we are to be a people that as we seek him to have a present influence in this world because of who we are in Christ Jesus and we're seeking him. And when we lose that perspective and we begin to wonder about purpose of life, we begin to wonder why we exist, it's because we've lost the sight of what we're supposed to be, that we are to be seeking him. And he's going to go on and he says, in fact, in verse 2, and he says, in verse 2, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. Now stop right there. It seems like he just repeated himself, right? In the first verse, he tells us to seek. It's a striving. But here he tells us to, to kind of set our minds on the things above. And this, this idea really has more to do with how we think. I really like the word disposition. It has more to do with our disposition. These two ideas are closely related and connected. And I don't want to take that apart. But there is a distinction between them too. One has the idea of striving. What do I pursue? The other one has more of an idea of how I think. Where literally, what is my disposition? 
What is my nature? What is my character? What are the qualities of my mind as it relates to my temperament about the things of God? That I, would, that I would set my mind on the things above and not on the things of earth. You know, <clears throat> one of the reasons I was going back and I was, I was looking at some pictures and, and the reason was is because I thought about this, trying to think how do I describe this idea of disposition that I have, you know, towards something. And the, and the best illustration I'd come up was back in my college days when I met my wife, Lydia. Uh, it should be, I just love this picture, by the way. It's old. I know it's not a great picture, but I asked Alan, I said, will you please just somehow get it up there? And I love this picture for several reasons. Now, you see me in overalls, right? Like, I want you to know that's like the only pair of overalls I ever wore. But <clears throat> I was a poor college kid paying my way through college. And I remember, I think I was in a surplus store, if you remember what those were. And they had those overalls on sale and I was able to buy one pair and I wore them for the whole year that year in college because I couldn't afford a lot of clothes. I had to have slacks and button down shirts and stuff for class and chapel and different things. So when I was out and about, we, were, we had certain dress codes and, and this, this pair of overalls kind of covered all of those. So I could throw that over anything. Like when I went to, if I went to the gym, I didn't, you know, we didn't have all the fan, fancy uh, you know, outfits, uh, athletic, you know, pants and jackets like we do today and all that, you know, we, I just threw my overalls over my shorts and I'd go there and I can drop my overalls, practice, put them back on. I mean, yeah, I know that sounds bad. It was kind of smelly at times. And so, uh, but anyway, I did wash them, you know, once in a while. And, uh, so, you know, but I wore those those whole year. In fact, I remember one, one guy, I think he told me, he said, Greg, you know, you want to win her over, you probably should get rid of those overalls. Well, I didn't have any money. To, she's going to have to figure out how to love me with those overalls somehow. And she did. And I love this picture. In fact, I was looking at it and I was like, um, I was like, is this before or after we were engaged? And I couldn't remember, but I finally concluded that it was before we were engaged. Because by the time I asked her to marry me, those overalls were down to one strap was all that was holding them. So there's two on there. So I know that was before we were engaged. But I show this because something happened that year in the middle of the year. My disposition began to change. I began to start figuring out where Lydia was. I knew her class schedule. I knew when she was going to be in the cafeteria. I knew all of these times because just miraculously I was going to be right there at those times, right? When those times when I could maybe have an opportunity to talk to her or make it look like, oh, I just happened to be walking by. I walk you to your next class, right? All those, all those kinds of things, those dispositions began to change. I was involved. My roommate and I were involved in a big youth conference and we were doing a bunch of stuff in, our, in that, that year. And some of the things we were doing was we were filming uh, for this youth conference, back when I say filming, I'm talking like eight millimeter, you know, remember those? You can use scotch tape to, to bind them together. And we were filming, and I'd be like, hey, Lydia, you want to go? Hey, I'm going to go to this church. You want to go visit? I was, work, I was a chaplain working, doing services at a juvenile detention center at the time. And so, I, hey, you want to come with me to go to one of the juvenile detention centers? You know what was funny is I never put up a sign. I never had to scream from the mountaintop. But everybody on that campus knew my disposition changed. They knew I had interest in Lydia. It became very clear. It became very obvious. There were some other guys early on that were interested in Lydia. And it didn't take long to, to and that's a whole other story, but to take care of that situation. <laughs> um, because my disposition about Lydia changed everything that I did. And now, 
35 years later, there's still a disposition towards Lydia. There's a commitment towards marriage. There's a commitment towards a relationship, right? My disposition over this time, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you we had these flowery and everything was wonderful relationship. We had, there were a couple of years where I wondered, right? But God worked in that and my disposition was towards Lydia. And <clears throat> Lydia has really gotten into gardening and, and so forth. And, and I think it's great. I, I, you know, gardening is wonderful, right? And uh, so I go for these walks through the garden to see all the new growth. And, and it's fun to watch her excitement. To be honest with you, if there was no garden, I would, it would not be nothing off of my back. It would not. I spent about two hours, three hours on Friday walking through a nursery with her because she was telling me all these. And you know what? I enjoy that because my disposition is towards her. Because I, now she becomes a way of life. It's the way I think. It's the way I go about life. Because it's important to her. It became important to me. And when Paul tells us here in this passage, when he tells us to set our mind on the things above, that our disposition, that the way we think becomes those things where he is. That all of a sudden, the things that are important to Christ become important to me. That my disposition and the way that I go about conducting my life have to do with the way that Jesus has changed who I am. And now I begin to conduct my life that way. It's my disposition. It's setting my mind on those things that are above. You know what? To be honest with you people, every one of us in here, every one of you watching online, you have a disposition. You have something you're striving for. The question is, is it Christ? Is it the things where Christ are? Is the things, your disposition about the way you live life, is it about Christ? And those are important questions to ask. If, if you, I know, sometimes I know I get very um, excited. I get, I want you to be as excited about God's word and about my relationship with God. I want you to be just as excited about your relationship with God. And I know sometimes I, 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 I push those things and I'll challenge and I'll say things. And I don't want you to say, I don't want to ever, ever, God forbid, ever that I come across in any way to a burden or to condemn. But I want you to know that I want to challenge you, dear people of God, to look at your relationship with God. That's between you and him. I can't dictate that. But what is your disposition towards him? Are you striving towards him? Those are important. This, this passage rips into the very core of my being and challenges me even now as I read it because it's the reality of who I am in Jesus. When he says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth, not on those things that are earthly, the picture is the things of the earth grow, grow to, into the backdrop of who I am in Christ. You know, here's the thing. When I began dating Lydia and, and my disposition went that way, I was playing basketball. I was on the team at the school. I was doing all these different things. I didn't quit going to classes. 
I didn't quit playing basketball, but my disposition about her began to influence. And there were some things that I gave up. I didn't go out with some of the guys as much because I wanted to spend time with her. And it's the same picture for us in our relationships with God. Paul rejected that in chapter two about these cutting off or beating our bodies or becoming legalistic. He, he condemned those, but what he's talking about is are those things in the proper perspective of where you're pursuing, your disposition, your, your, your striving, where is it in light of that? And those things of earth began to grow in the backdrop of eternity and who Christ is. It's kind of like Moses who saw the riches of heaven and he, and he ignored the, 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 the fear of the king. He ignored the, ignored the riches of Egypt that he might gain the blessings of God. It's the same picture. And you read chapter 11 of Hebrews and you'll read over and over again, Abraham who left the land that he knew and went into a land he didn't know. Why? Because he was, his disposition and his faith was set towards God. His striving was to know him. His striving was God. And he set those things back in order to attain the things that God had for them. You want to know your purpose in life and the reason why God is using you? You can't have another disposition other than him and know the purpose for God. You can't seek the elementary philosophies and principles of this world and somehow begin to understand and think that you understand the purposes and plans of God. You can't do it. They're separate. And in a minute, we're going to read how the glory of his coming, when he comes, all these things will become known. But between now and then, it's a life of faith. It's a life of understanding that in my mind and in my desire and my striving, I strive after him and my disposition is towards him. Do we understand? Y'all catch that? Thank you. I, I just want to make sure I'm clear. I just, it's no longer that I'm living about the world. I'm living about Christ. And the things of the world, the wealth, of all of those things, they're nothing. Oh, I don't quit going to work. I don't quit living but I want, to, I want uh, bringing Christ into what I'm living. If I'm, if I'm involved in the community, I'm bringing Christ into that, to that environment. Wherever I go, wherever I'm working, when I was managing restaurants, I brought Jesus to work every day with me because it's who I am. I'm in Christ. And the picture of that is so important that we must understand that if we're ever gonna understand God's purpose and intent for our lives. In fact, he goes on in verse three, he says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That word idea of died is, is past tense. I believe it's referring to the time when Jesus on the cross experienced death. That when we receive Christ in our lives and we identify with him, we identify in his death. That he died, he conquered sin and death. And because of that, in that experience, he also rose again. And the picture is that we too will rise with him. That's why he said at the beginning of this passage, since you have raised with Christ because you're alive in Christ, but you've got to understand that you died too. What did you die from? You died from that way of living that you once were. That, that life of bondage that I once had where sin and death ruled in my life. I do not fear death. Why? Because I have life in Christ. It's a huge difference. Does that mean I'm going to go out here and look for death? I'm not going to go out and play on, you know, I-20 or something. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to be foolish. 
But my life is in his hands. I entrust my life into his, per, his hands and his person because he is my life. And I di- recognize that when I die, I die to those ways of life. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person in Christ. And what he is doing in my life, what he is changing in my life, that union I have with Christ, that because he died, I now am alive in him. And that's why he goes on. He says, he says in, there in verse um, uh, three, for you have died and here's your life, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love this picture, that, that my life, what I believe, who I am, is hidden with Christ. It's, it's, it's a picture that, that not only is it one of security, but it's also a picture whereby that, the, that that relationship that I have, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that literally when he said, I, when he was telling um, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He was saying right there, I am right now, not sometime in the future. Right now, I am the resurrection. Right now is life. And what Paul is saying is your life is hidden with Christ in God. Right now, you already have a life in him because of faith in Jesus, because you trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for, for your redemption, for who you are in Christ, that right now you already have life. It doesn't begin somewhere down the road. It's already right now, and it's hidden in Christ. Not everybody sees it. Not everybody's gonna understand it, but it is, it's, it's in Christ. It's that invisible spiritual realm, our connection with God in Christ that we now have and one day will be revealed. We have to understand that, dear people of God. In the days when, when things overwhelm us and the days that we're at despair, we have to come back to this and remind ourselves of this truth that my life is still there, my life is still secure and it's in Christ and it's hidden with him and it's with God. And to him be the glory and to him be the praise forever and ever. Amen? In verse 4 it says, when Christ, let these words sink in. Who is your life? Notice when he says who is your life, it doesn't say not with, alongside of, but that literally Jesus is your life. What that means is that he is literally the essence of, of your life. It means that he, Jesus, who gave up himself, that he might bring life, now is the one who nurtures, who sustains, who keeps and grows us by his spirit that we might one day be just like him. Hallelujah. Christ who is my life. He is my life. And Paul is writing these believers who were being, beginning to fall into false teachings and who were beginning to lose track of who they were in Christ Jesus and now were being deceived. And Paul tells them, Christ is your life. You're not gonna find it in, in, in the elementary philosophy of this world. You're not gonna find it in the legalism of Judaism. You're gonna find it in Christ. And look what he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, that word appears literally was referring to the coming of Christ, that when Christ would return and be present with his people, it relates to the idea, the visibility of it, but also the splendor of it, that when he appears in all of his splendor and his glory and the display when he comes for us, it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
Hallelujah. That's my hope. That's the hope of my faith. The hope of my glory in the person of Jesus Christ. I like, like, I like what Lightfoot wrote, that great theologian. He wrote this, he says, talking about this verse. He says, the veil which now shreds or shrouds your higher life from others and even partly from yourselves will be withdrawn. The world which persecutes and despises and ignores now will then be blinded with the dazzling glory of that revelation. That in that day when Jesus comes and we're revealed with him, all of those who may despise us now, when we've turned away from the elementary principles of this world, when we denied legalism, when we've denied the, this, the looseness of our faith and we try to include everything, when we've when the world, when we've diminished who Christ is, where we diminish what God has done, in that day, everything will be clear. In that day, it will be in the glory of Christ and, and in the fullness of who he is. And in that day, everyone will know, Right? And that's our faith. And Paul talks about that disposition and, and who we are. And I look for that day. I long for that day. I pray that that day would come soon. But in the same breath, I also pray, may many more come to know of God's goodness. May many more know of God's grace and mercy. May many more know of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may God's people learn to live the gospel to live Christ in them. If you were to go on and you read verses five and, and following, in fact, the rest of this book, he starts talking about what does it look like, that Christian life, what does it look like? And so many times when it, you read in verse five, put on, uh, put to death, therefore, the earthly, uh, the earth, uh, what is earthly in you, and then we start reading this list, right? And we start making a list out of it, we start making a check, check. oh, I'm doing this, I'm not doing that. Paul isn't creating a to-do and not-to-do list. Paul is trying to describe to us what a disposition toward the heavenly things looks like in comparison to the earthly things. It's not perfection. He's talking about our disposition. How do we feel about the word? Would we let the word of God richly dwell within us? How we respond to others, that everything we do, whether in word or deed, we do all to the glory of God. He goes on and he talks about that. You can read that on your own and I would encourage you to do so. But don't read it as a list of do's and don'ts. Read it as a list of describing what does it look like to have a disposition for Christ and having a disposition for the earthly things. Let's pray. Father God, just speak to us. May your spirit move within us. May your spirit bring us, Father, more and more like your son. May Father, we reflect him. He is so worthy. I, I can't even begin to use words to describe the magnitude of love that was demonstrated. That Father, why, why did Jesus have to leave heaven? Why did he have to experience, could, could you have not, Father, just annihilated humanity? Could you not have done that? Could you not just judge sin and been righteous? For you are holy. But yet, Father, you demonstrated love and your love is so beyond what I can imagine or think. I'm still learning about your love and how to love others, how to care about others. God, may you be pleased to just continue to work in me, in us as your people, that we might glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.